This is a very interesting time we are in right now. The entire planet is experiencing a pandemic, a, a disease that has spread over all continents. Many countries are on complete lockdown. I'm in Chicago. We are locked down for the last week. Restaurants are closed. Bars are closed. Music venues are closed. The only thing that are open are absolute essential places like hospitals, grocery stores, police, fire. It's a crazy time. And it's a time that musicians suddenly found themselves with no gigs. So everyone is scrambling to figure out this modern age, this modern technology, how to build a website, how to build a membership site, how to teach a lesson online, how to create a YouTube channel, how to create a podcast, how to build a mailing mailing list. We're all jumping into this headfirst, and I wanted to present for you today a very special guest, Seamus Evely, who is a master podcaster. <laughs> hey, that that's kind of a nice title, master podcaster. Uh, Seamus is the founder of Drum Gab Podcast, which was regular, uh, recently partnered two years ago with Drumio, which is the largest educational drum website in the world. And um, I got him on the call today. I've been doing these live Zoom calls where a bunch of people will come into a room and then I will interview somebody and then people can ask questions through the chat box and then I'll, I'll, I will ask the, the guest during our conversation things that people want to know. So today we're going to listen to Seamus talk about his experience in the podcast world, how to create a podcast, what kind of gear do you need, what kind of things do you need to host the podcast, how do you promote the podcast, and what is the mindset that's required to have a successful podcast. So let's get in this with Seamus right now. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, episode 72. Today, we're going to talk with Seamus Evely from Drumio Gab. Uh, please excuse the audio. We're doing a Zoom call, and the whole world is on Zoom right now, so sometimes there's some dropouts. But he is going to give you a lot of great information. Without further ado, let's go into the Zoom room with Seamus Evely. People are coming in from around the world. Joe, where are you right now? In England, or are you in L.A.? I'm in L.A. Okay. Uh, Charlele is in France. Everyone yep. else is in the United States. Yes. Great. Let's just give it a minute. Oh, we've got 11 people trying to get in here. Let me mark. Shame. Oh, Seamus is here. Great. Yep. Just here he goes. Da-da-da. Look at there. Seamus <laughs> sitting down, putting his headphones on. He doesn't even know we're talking about him yet. What's up, man? Well, let me get you unmuted here. You can hear me all right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. We are yeah, good. I'm using my microphone, so Great. hopefully it sounds all right. Can you increase your level any at all? Yeah, is that a little better? Oh. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Is that good? Awesome. Yep. Perfect. Okay, well, look at all these peeps showing up here. So we're going to just wait a couple minutes before we officially get started, let everyone come on in. Um. Mm -hmm. Great, great, great. Good. 
wait a second. There's a bass player in this forum. What happened? What's going on? What? Here? What? Wait a second. <laughs> how, many, how many strings are on that classical bass there? Uh, there, there would be five because four was not enough. Yeah, that is a that is a five string classical bass. Eric Snoza, one of the finest classical bassists in the world, and wow. uh, and you can hear him on video game uh, soundtracks. He works with the guy from uh, he works with the guy who composed all the music for the game uh, 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 Journey. Journey Abzu. Yeah. So he sends Eric impossible charts for him to play on bass and Eric figures out how to do it. Well, welcome. You brought the IQ Thank level you. of the group up because everyone else looks like a drummer. So, Oh, I don't know about that. I always, I always feel like an idiot around drummers. So there's uh... <laughs> Right. Well, you envy our staccato and we envy your legato. <laughs> We have legato envy. Okay, well, we're getting close. You know what? Let's let's give it two more minutes, and then we'll we'll get started. Um, the uh, the man of the hour here is Seamus Evley. Is it Evley or Evely? Uh, it's Evely. Evely, Seamus Evely. Yeah, Christmas it- Eve and Lee Jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Jeans. <laughs> Lee Jeans, bro. Lee, yeah. The dad jokes have started, people. The dad jokes like, are on. Oh, yeah, they're the, on big time. Like in the Jordan. 36, days. 32. Really? You know, it's funny when my no, dad. Like when I was, 36, 36. Yeah, no kidding. I remember my dad was 34, 34 when I was a kid, and I was like, on his Levi jeans, I was like, I'm going to be a man when I'm 34, 34. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, I was 12 slim. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Do you remember that size? Nope. 12 slim? 12 slim. Yeah. What does that even mean? Like a 12 <laughs> waist? <laughs> no. Thing, taught preteen Swedish boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. Okay, so um, what I'm going to have everyone do is we're going to mute everyone's mics except for Seamus and myself. He and I are going to have a conversation, and then you're welcome to um, – Text in, and the, there's a chat box. If you're if you can if you're new to Zoom, there's a chat box, and that is where you are welcome to ask questions of either Seamus or myself. Um, I'm going to try to make it. Can you see? Can everyone see everybody? No. You can only see me. Yes. Okay. I I think I want to make it so we can see everybody. Um, like a split un- screen sort of thing. Well, now can you see everybody? Uh, it no, it, it just zoomed into you a little bit. Oh, no, there's the big upright. <laughs> right there, okay. you go. Okay, so this is, okay, so when I'm talking, you see me, right? Yep. And then Seamus, you talk. Hello. Yeah, it's switched now. Okay, great. So when everyone is muted, just he and I will, will show up on the screen as, as we're communicating. And then um, feel free to chat in questions as we go. I can see everyone if I go to gallery view. Yeah, just figure out how you want to watch. Um, I guess there's options for that. Zoom is so cool. It's pretty, pretty yeah. interesting. I tell you what, 
Zoom has probably had a massive influx of business in the last week. I would imagine. Their servers can't keep up at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. Dude, even Instagram has been a little wonky today just with it shutting down or I don't know. It's just weird. It's, it's been behaving a little differently than normal. I've been finding, like I tried to post a story today, something in my stories and it went upload it. And then it's been kind of a little, a little touchy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's take, it's taken forever to upload. I, I uploaded a thing today and it took forever for it to upload. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Probably cause there was so many notes. <laughs> Okay, everyone's muted. That's what it sounds like when I tell jokes in normal, real life. (laughs) 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 But luckily, we have Seamus Evely here who has the most infectious laugh I've ever heard. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest reasons for the success of his podcast, Drumeo Gab. It might be, man. (laughs) It's his laugh. So, um, if, if, for those of you who don't know who Seamus is, he is the the founder of Drum Gab podcast, which was his original podcast, and uh, interviewing drummers, and started off interviewing drummers who you just reached out to on Instagram, probably, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then eventually, I'm going to give the short story, and then we're going to get into the actual long details of it. But uh, eventually, within probably three, two years of your podcast? Yeah, two years. Two years, he partnered, partnered with Drumeo, which is the largest drum education website in the world, and has been rebranded as Drumeo Gab Podcast. So they added two letters because Drumeo puts EO at the end of everything that they do, <laughs> <laughs> which means education online. I yeah. think that's what their little tag is. Drumio, Pianio. Anyway. Pianote. Pianote, yeah, p- right. Pianote is the only one that doesn't have EO on the end of it. That's right. He, uh, Jared yeah. and I talked about that. I was like, Piano EO? <laughs> and he's like, I'm not sure what to call it, actually. <laughs> that was before it had started. Um, so what I want to talk to Seamus about and have all of you get to hear is his kind of, you know, quote, rags to riches story. Um, I want to talk about the technical aspect of actually creating a podcast. And then I want to talk about um, the amount of work that is actually required to maintain and and keep a podcast going. Mm -hmm. And then uh, talk about some of the fruits of your labor. And then um, I think Seamus is one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. Um, He's so full of life and so full of energy and so positive and he has brought the drumming community together on, a, on an international level. And I know that all of you have seen this either right head on or peripherally that Seamus is a, is a hub for learning about drummers from all over the world. So we are all very fortunate to have these bright lights like Seamus show up every <laughs> once in a while in our lives and, and carry us into a, a whole new way of, how we deal with each other and how we know about each other. So thank you for that, Seamus. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. So let's just, let's just start at the beginning. um, Cause I know maybe some of these people on here are interested in starting a podcast. Does anyone have a podcast in this group 
Raise your hand. Joe Crabtree has a podcast. I have a podcast. How many people are interested in starting podcasts? Yep. Look at that. So almost half the people immediately are ready to start podcasts, but a lot of times we, we, uh, we don't know how to start or we need to wait for all the right things to be in place before we start. So let's talk about the beginnings of your podcast adventure. What gear were you using? What was the inspiration in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And now I'll let you talk. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks first off, uh, Rich, for everything that you said there in the introduction. That's really, really kind of you to say that. But I mean, you haven't just said that just now. You've been uh, a huge supporter of, of what I'm doing for a very long time. And you take the time to write really thoughtful comments uh, often, which is just really, really incredible. So I thank you for your friendship and your support, first of all, Rich. Yeah, it means a lot. It means yes, a lot. So, so yeah, let's start how this began. Um, it's funny, you know, sometimes you see ads on Facebook and Instagram and things like that with call to action. Hey, do this thing, submit this thing, get involved. And so I actually saw this Facebook post. It was sponsored by Drumio, I believe, but it was for the Victoria Drum Festival. And it was submit a drum video three minutes or, or less and two people will be selected and uh, flown out to Victoria Drum Festival and, and do a performance at that drum festival. So I saw that. And usually when I see stuff like that, I wouldn't commit to anything like that. I would just keep scrolling and nothing would have happened. But for whatever reason, uh, this particular time, I thought, hey, this is kind of interesting. Maybe I should do something with this. So within about a day or two, I had book studio time. I started practicing like crazy, which really initialized my interest in drumming again. I mean, I was always interested in it, but I didn't really take it all that seriously. And so I felt like I wasn't very good at soloing. So I'd need to really brush up on a lot of technique and just um, start practicing uh, and devoting a lot of time to that. So I did that. And it was about three weeks. And then the studio time came, did the video. I mean, I put down $500 of my own money. And uh, it's funny, I, I've even heard Jared talk about this. You want to commit to something, put it down on a calendar, put down the money, put down whatever, commit to it. And that way, then we feel the pressure to practice and start initiating something. So anyways, that's what I had done. I did the thing. I submitted it. I wasn't selected. But in the process, I got to connect with a lot of drummers. Um, I had a lot of really positive feedback about my solo, which was really, really inspiring because I, I, I live in a very rural area and around here, uh, for years, I've always been told I was a great drummer, but where I live is small population. And in the grand scheme of things, there's like, once you get on Instagram and Facebook, you really start to see what's at, well, like what actually exists outside of where you live. But to to receive a lot of positive feedback was really fantastic, which then kind of inspired me to continue on that path of practice. So anyways, I I had this friend, his name is uh, Rob, and he he was starting up a website and he was one of the contestants with this video submission thing. And so he said, you should start a blog. I'm starting one. Maybe you should get into that. It's kind of interesting. So decided, okay, yeah, let's do that. So then I came up with the name Drum Gab. Literally, 
hardly even a thought. It just kind of came to me and I thought, yep, that's what it's called. I registered the domain name and then I began to write. And the first thing I wrote about was my experience creating this video and submitting it for the, the, uh, the festival. I thought that would be a good place to start. I received a lot of great feedback with that saying you should write more stuff that was entertaining. So I thought, okay, let's, let's keep doing this. So the problem is though, is initially I didn't have any connections. I had really no pool of content to draw from to create more things. And so I came up with this idea to come up with a thing called Weekly Warrior, which is where I just selected a random drummer that I really liked. And then I'd write a piece about them and then I put it out on Twitter and tweet it to them. And uh, about half of the people actually shared it. I think Billy Ward was one, Scott Pellegrim was another. And so that was kind of interesting. But by this point, now, you know, I got the drum gab name, you know, I've written a few things. I'm starting to connect with people on Instagram and I'm finding this to be a pretty enjoyable process. I'm really enjoying this. So uh, then it just sort of went from there. I, I can't remember exactly how like what happened next exactly. I think it might've been companies. I started like doing reviews and stuff like that. But then again, Rob said to me, he's like, well, what about a podcast? You know, the blogging thing's kind of neat, but maybe a podcast is maybe what you should do next. So I'm like, well, I don't really know what that is besides Joe Rogan. I I don't really know how to do one. Uh, But anyways, long story short, started the podcast, uh, did about six interviews on this service called Spreaker. And all of that stuff actually isn't on the internet any longer. Uh, those were sort of prelim- preliminary episodes. But then our son Harrison was born. And then I put Drum Gab down. Probably about two months, three months. My wife Amanda said, hey, you know, this Drum Gab thing that you were doing, that seemed like a good thing. Why would you stop? And I was like, well, I'm more interested in Harrison right now. And I'm, I, it's really hard for me to pull myself away from that and be interested about Drum Gab. But, you know, she, she kind of pushed me back into it. So then I developed my website from scratch. I learned a new way to create them. Uh, got Libsyn, which is my host provider. I uh, kind of got things set up properly. And then that January, I started and I haven't stopped. And that's basically how it started. That's awesome. Let me unpack a little bit about of what you just said, because you had some nuggets in there, even if you didn't realize it. <laughs> okay. Um, so I love this idea of, I mean, you just said what everyone needs to hear, make some kind of commitment that make that, that demands that you get something accomplished. Uh-huh. Like put yourself out in an uncomfortable way and then rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And you said, you know, you're going to pay your fee and then you're going to practice and you're going to work hard because you've got to prove that you're serious about it. Yeah. And I think so often that really, I love that that's how things start. I mean, we have to realize that until you take that big first step into something and make a leap of faith and make a sacrifice, you're not going to know if it's ever going to happen. Exactly. And it just accidentally happened for you. I mean, it was just like part of your life. It just just rolled in. Now, (laughs) in hindsight, you go, there it was. There's that catalyst. There's that little lesson that that actually started it. So you started with a blog first. Yes. Yeah. Blog is a great way to start because there's less technical things involved. Absolutely. And what we're learning, if, if everyone doesn't know this yet, Google searches for words. 
So a blog is a is super important to have because when you write and someone's searching for something, Google looks for words. They don't look for pictures. They don't look for videos. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find words. So do you transcribe? I'm going to jump ahead, then I'll come back. Do you transcribe your podcasts? No. You just create show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's two ways to, to do this. Um, you can either transcribe a podcast just word for word and, and post that into your podcast page or your blog page. Mm-hmm. So Google can crawl and look for words, or you can create show notes like Seamus does where he, the amount of work he puts into his podcast is insane. I'm just <laughs> going to say that right now. He probably puts more time into his podcast than any other podcaster. Even well, Tim Ferriss. I put in a lot of, a lot of work. It's yeah, a ton you, of work. Yeah. You are a yeah. labor of love guy. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, but you need that. You have you need, to, you have to yes. love it that I got to say this, you need to love it. I mean, uh, if you go into it just out of curiosity and then you experience some joy from doing the work, that is the thing that will continue that thread of work for a long time to come. And you can't really think too much about where things are going to go. You just have to enjoy making the thing. There's yeah. so much uncertainty as to where your labor will lead you to. You don't necessarily know what it's going to materialize into, but I can't say this from my experience personally. You got to, you got to over, um, you have to over deliver. And I think you have to have a, a sense of authentic, like in a podcast, especially because it's your voice, your voice needs to transmit a genuine message And so you have to sort of figure out what it is that you stand for, what you align with and be very strong in that delivery. And that can change. I mean, I'd I'd say from the first episode until, and in the first one, it's just kind of developing the skill sets, the basic skill sets and knowing how to publish a podcast. But eventually you start to figure out what you stand for. And you have to give that some thought because people are going to come and listen to you based on what they want to unite with as a listener. And once you create a strong message and the listener can detect that what you're saying is what you believe, they believe it too. And they probably already do, but then they can further that and explore with you where you want to go with things with the content. So I feel like a big part of the reason, like along with the laugh, <laughs> I feel like that the biggest- wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it, everybody. Here it's coming. It's closer. I think the biggest reason why Dromeo Gab, why my podcast has been successful is because I've chosen to focus on small numbers and, and really create um, a lot of value for people who believe what I believe too. And, and I want to invest in that audience not really looking like obviously I want more and more people to listen, but as they come into the show and then they stick around because they're enjoying what they're listening to, the most important thing for me is to add value to one individual at a time. And if it takes 10 years to get 5,000 people who are absolutely loving it, then that's fine with me. I send voice memos to individuals on nearly a daily basis, especially right now. Um, because connectivity right now, I've always felt it was very important, 
but now it's even more important. And because I've been advocating connectivity for so long, I have to now over deliver with that. So I've been like yesterday, I sent, uh, I sent a drummer a 35 minute long voice memo while I was putting away laundry, just sort of like stream of consciousness. I see it as practice for speaking. So I, I'm glad to do it. And, uh, and when, you know, he sent me a picture with a Heineken and his earbuds in, and then he sent me an email back saying, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And that's what I want. I want people to not ex- like deliver the unexpected over deliver and give more than they expect. Uh, that's super important. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with why the show has been successful because, uh, again, just focusing on individuals and having um, a pretty clear idea of what I'm trying to promote and what I stand for in helping the community and the values that I personally hold that I'm not even encouraging people to align with me on. It's just I'm putting it out there and people can choose for themselves, decide for themselves whether they believe that as well. And it's just creating a deeper and deeper relationship with the listeners host to listener is the most important aspect of running a podcast in my opinion yeah 100 percent. yeah i think it's really good to remember that whatever it is that we choose to do and obviously we've all chosen to be musicians we would be a musician if we here we are we (laughs) want to be musicians even though there aren't any gigs yeah. Something that you're so passionate about that you will do regardless of having it become your job. Mm-hmm. That is what is required to make anything happen successfully. So when you start a podcast, you have to start that podcast with the intention of the passion of the, the message that you want to just get out. Mm-hmm. And you can't be driven by numbers, by likes, by any you know, anything but your own passion to connect with somebody else because it'll be short-lived. None of this, nothing is a short game. No. Nothing successful is a short <laughs> game. And I, and I no. think it's really interesting because all of a sudden everyone on the, every single musician in the world is trying to figure out how on earth do I teach online? Oh my gosh, we're all quarantined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can teach online really quick, but if you want to create some kind of, online presence it's not going to happen in the next week yeah it's it's a slow burn and it's something that you do because you're passionate about it absolutely yeah and that's i'm just kind of reiterating what you just said um should we talk is anyone interested in hearing the technical aspects of like gear sure podcast hosting any any of that yeah, I actually have some advice because a number right. of uh, the people listening to this uh, put up their hand about wanting to start one. Yep. So I do have some advice with that. My very first podcast was done with my iPhone and nothing more. I literally set it on an ottoman and I had my friend Kenton Bell in my living room. We were having coffee that day. I'll never forget my first episode. That's still online. You know, it was a really, it's something I like to reflect on from time to time. It was so simple. I just put my, my phone down and we talked for about an hour and a half. And then I took that and I used audacity, which is a DAW that's free to use. 
Uh, it's freeware, so anyone can use it. It's, you know, Logic, of course, is far superior, but as a place to start, Audacity does the trick. I made 100 episodes with that, no problem. So it worked for me quite well. Um, my advice with podcast stuff when it comes to equipment is to not invest more than, say, a couple of hundred, 300 bucks after you've made maybe five episodes. I mean, you might get bit with the bug immediately and find your obsession quickly like I did. So I literally did one with my phone and then I went out and got a Zoom H6, you know, like the next week because I thought, hey, you know what, this is what I want to do. I don't know why. It's not, uh, (laughs) I mean, one episode is not a lot to go on with, uh, you know, how much do I invest into this? But for whatever reason, it just connected with me and I just knew I wanted to make podcasts. Um, actually it, it actually stems back to when I was a kid, I used to make a lot of recordings. I had pressure zone mics. My dad was an audio engineer, uh, recording engineer for quite a while when I was a kid. And so we had a lot of recording equipment, reel to reels in the house and microphones and stuff like that. And I used to make recordings when I was like a kid, like four or five years old and I was pretty into it. And, um, so I don't know, I like making the podcast to me kind of went, it took me back to when I was a kid and, you know, having fun experimenting with recordings and stuff. But there is a high level of podcast fade. It's an industry term, meaning you start a podcast only for you to walk away from it and it dies. So that's a very common thing is podcast fade. There's a 515 rule. Uh, I can't remember the exact percentages of how many people stop making podcasts after five episodes, but it's a lot. And then after 15, it's, you know, the majority. So it leaves you with a really small amount of people who continue creating after 15 episodes. So they suggest that if you make it to 15 episodes, then maybe you want to invest in a quality microphone or an interface or you know, something like that, you know, start getting into the gear a little more to up your production value. But really, there's like this initial period of time of expectations, I think, is what eliminates, it it separates the wheat from the chaff, I think, because podcast numbers are completely different than um, um, YouTube metrics. They're small numbers. To give you an example, 50% of podcasts do not get more than 200 downloads over 30 days after launch. 50% don't get more than 200 downloads. Now, if you exceed 3,200 downloads after 30 days of launch, you're in the top 8%. 3,200, you say? Yes. You're in the top 8%. Or 10%, 8 or 10%. I mean, the numbers are tiny. But the thing yeah. with podcasting and why, like, to kind of circle back to why individual connectivity between listener and host is so vital is because the numbers are manageable. They are small numbers, okay? Like my, I, I released an episode with Ash Sohn uh, recently. And, you know, he's obviously a very popular drummer out of England. And so we did a live interview during NAM. And that episode right now, it hasn't even, has it been a month, maybe around a month now? And that episode exceeded 3,200 downloads. So that in the world is around the nine percentile, uh, 9% top in the world for an episode like that. And still those numbers are kind of small in comparison to when you see something on YouTube. So I think people get thrown off when they launch a podcast and their first episode is their 
family, friends, maybe the odd person who managed to catch it and you might get like 40 downloads on your first episode in a, in a week or something like that. And then you release the next one and it's 36 downloads. Then you release the third one, it's 32 downloads. And you start to notice the numbers don't go down because initially it was the people that are your friends and your family and stuff and they want to support you, but they're not really committed to your your uh, your product. They're just there to sort of pat you on the bum and send you on your way and go get them, Tiger. You know, so that first episode's going to outperform probably your first ten. Um, you know, and maybe not. That might not be the case, but that was my story, anyways. It was like, hey, this is pretty cool, and then it's like like that and then it sort of leveled out and it found its place for a little while and then it started to grow um and then it's like okay these are true listeners these are people who are truly interested in this stuff but i feel like you know um maybe we can dip into monetizing the the the, the, the technical aspect is simple get libsyn libsyn.com that's your host great host never had an issue with them fantastic stuff yeah. yeah. I mean, they're the leader in the industry. I would say that's the standard. Uh, don't invest in gear too fast. Start with your phone or whatever recording device that you have access to that will make a recording. Focus on the conversation. Okay. How it, sound is, how it sounds is less important than what you're listening to. Um, so focus on quality conversations. Don't worry so much about high quality production in the beginning because, again, this is historical, archival uh, content. So when people find you later on, say at episode 120, and they become a fan, they want to hear where you started from. And so then they go back to your shitty iPhone recording that you made and they're like, oh, okay, well, this is where he started. And that's inspirational because things should go like this. They should climb, but you should allow people to check out where you started from to inspire them because you don't start off here. You start here. And then through experience, you, you grow. I mean, I would never in a million years interview Ash Soan at NAM in person within 10 episodes. I would freak out. I would freeze up. I, I, you need to acclimate to that interaction and what you're there to do. It takes time and you got to just grow to that so that you don't even notice like, how did I get here? You just are there, you know? So, and that just takes time, you know, just like anything, like a big gig or, or demanding music, you know, you have to work up to those levels. Um, so that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I mean, there's tons and tons of stuff online if you want to record Skype uh, conversations and do your podcast remotely. Um, from what I understand, Zoom, it, it was actually the direction I was going to take things off instead of Skype because you can record these videos and route the audio through and make a a video rather easily compared to Skype. It's a little less technical and it seems like it's better quality, but, uh, but that's about it. There's tons and tons of stuff online. If you want to really learn about it, you can dig and figure out whatever questions you might have, but that's kind of what I would have to say to start with that. We have some good questions coming in. Um, All right. uh, okay. So Let's see, which one to ask first. Okay, let me ask you this one. This is related to one of Eric's questions. Um, like when you and I did our podcast, mm-hmm. you then wanted me to send you my audio. Yes. Yeah, so in the beginning, you and I had this, we had a video conversation. Yeah. And then I was also recording my voice on my end. This was yes. what, this was two years ago now. Yeah. Maybe. Um, about that, episode, yeah. I can't remember, episode 90 or something. 
And then you wanted me to send you my audio because it was cleaner than the audio you got through Skype. So you were already in phase two or three of your production. Mm -hmm. Like you had gotten to that point of like, okay, now send me your audio so I can marry it into my audio, which is a nightmare of an editing job. I think because yeah. <laughs> you're, you're removing you're removing me from your audio and putting me into your. I mean, it's you're yeah. a, a madman when it comes to editing. Um, and then you started getting into we're seeing videos on Instagram where it's like, uh, you know, somebody on you know Mark Juliana is on his phone and it's going back and forth between you and him. Mm-hmm. Are you doing anything with video now? Are you are you having a video component to your stuff? Yeah, Is it so still strictly audio. No, so there is a video component. Um, it kind of evolved. I'll start from the beginning with what you were talking about with our episode, Rich. That's what you call a double ender. So double ender is like what Rich was explaining. You have your guests record on their end, and then they send you their audio. And yeah, it's a little extra work. Um, I feel it's worth it. I Skype audio. The biggest issue is sometimes you have overlap where like we might be talking at the same time and then the connection sort of has a little bit of a, a hiccup and that destroys the audio a little bit. So at that point I was only doing audio and for a while I was doing double enders. I don't mind the extra work. I, I want it to sound good and, and a little better than simply just Skype. Uh, so I was willing to do that, but that's called a double ender. Um, so, and then we got into video when Drumio, uh, when we began collaborating. So with that, <laughs> man, it's kind of low tech, believe it or not, but uh, I use Mac. So I can, I can only speak for that. But uh, with, uh, with my Macintosh, I would just literally do a quick time screen video. I would record my screen. And then I used Soundflower, which is basically just creates a digital or virtual uh, input and output onto your sound card. And then I would be able to record their audio. So then it would create an MOV file and then it has attached the audio and the video. And then now you have your file and you input that into your video editing software and away you go. So that's how I was recording the guests uh, with the video. And then I would just do a standalone recording here with the microphone and a camera. Uh, and then I just stitch it all together. So that's what I did with that. Pretty simple. Um, you know, again, there's stuff online where you can learn about how to get the Soundflower thing happening so that you can record their audio along with their video. So it's all kind of put into one little package. Uh, makes it kind of easy, but that's all it was. It's just quick time, man. That, that was it. Record my screen. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, the, the stuff you did at NAM was like two cameras, two microphones, yeah. sunny LA weather, <laughs> different pairs of sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now like we're, I mean, of course, uh, hard to see what the future is going to look like for the next little while. But the plan for this year was to do all in person and record on two cameras, uh, two mics and try to create something a little more hi-fi. 
So, and then what we do with that too, so all the video, uh, what we do with that is we, we splice that into micro content for Instagram and Facebook to promote the episodes. And so it's just a great way to reuse already existing content. So again, that's a huge thing too. You want to take the content you have and splice that into other chunks of content, be it YouTube, which I would maybe encourage a little longer clips. Uh, and then of course, Instagram and Facebook, you can kind of keep it shorter that's kind of where we're moving. Um, right now, it hasn't been announced yet, but right now we're developing uh, a Drumio Gab uh, YouTube channel. So that, I'm like literally working on that at, uh, now. Uh, Dylan and I are putting that together. So in the coming month or coming weeks, rather, uh, it was, we were thinking about launching it next week, but that's not happening right now. Uh, we're probably going to wait another couple of weeks before we launch it, but that's going to feature longer clips. Um, and then we're going to try to reduce the, the play time on the Instagram and Facebook stuff just so that each platform offers something unique because I don't want to duplicate. Again, this is kind of important too, but don't duplicate. Try not to duplicate your content from each platform because why would I follow you on Instagram if I'm seeing the exact same thing on Facebook or on uh, YouTube? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's good to make sure that there's variety amongst all of your platforms that you're distributing your media onto. Yeah. Understanding the platforms is super important. Yeah. 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 Instagram's pretty quick, you know, like, yeah, you will have your fans who are willing to sit through a five minute IGTV clip, but majority won't. And so I think that that's better suited for YouTube. It's actually why I prompted Dromeo to uh, work with me on creating a, uh, a YouTube channel. Because uh, I didn't feel like Instagram was the best platform to have more expanded, uh, like uh, longer extended video clips. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Just a, just a snapshot of some of the, the growth spurts. I mean, we're talking about your first episode is an iPhone with your friend. Yeah. And then you and I were doing a double ender episode where I was dropboxing my audio to you. Mm -hmm. And then you, and then suddenly you're working with Drumeo and you're in the Drumeo studios. I remember you did one with Keith Carlock. Yeah. Uh, and then you're at Nam with Ash and Annika and all these, you know, super, super heavy players. And now you're connected to Drumeo. So I would imagine, are, are, how close are you to Drumeo? Uh, halfway across the country. I'm in Ontario yeah. and they're in BC. Okay. It's about a four hour flight to get there. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like a guest comes in and does something at Drumeo, then you're going to interview them. That was just because you were there when Keith was there, you were there for some reason. That's correct. Yeah. That was actually for the drum, uh, sorry, the Victoria drum festival. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's sort of what's interesting about this whole thing, because as I said, in the very beginning of this chat, Victoria drum festival sponsored by Drumeo is what started this. And I've, you know what I mean? It's just, it's weird, man. It's like a fairy tale. It's, it's kind of strange. feels really meant to be. Yeah. Because of that full circle aspect to this whole thing, this whole story. And like you said, you've grown into, you wouldn't, you would not have been able to interview Ash Stone after 10 interviews. No. You would have, you wouldn't have had any idea what to say. He wouldn't have felt comfortable talking to you probably. No. It would have been like, uh, I don't even know who you are. Exactly. So it's like you've grown and when you're, when you're in the process of it, you don't realize the growth that you have and you stop and look back and you go, Oh my gosh, 
I've gone from A to Z, you know, I've, I've yeah. gone from point A to point B. That's another important thing. I mean, we all experience that when we're practicing our instrument, we all have experienced that real time growth of practice and reward. But then for some reason we get in our mind that it should be easier or faster with some other thing that we decide to do. It's yeah. not, it's the same thing. A podcast, yeah. a, you know, a YouTube channel, a, a membership site, a blog, all these things require the same energy and passion and, and patience as it does to learn how to play your instrument. Um, here is a great question. How do you approach interviewing as far as preparing questions versus casual conversation? Okay. That is a good question. And this is humongous in terms of um, how I structure my interviews. So originally, I was really afraid of not knowing what to say next. Terrified. And so I structured my interviews question by question. It was no video back then. As we talked about, it was audio only. So you couldn't see my face reading the questions I had written ahead of time. So I was literally authoring my interviews. <laughs> like it was kind of scripted. Not like my responses in, in casual conversation, but as far as my questioning was concerned, none of that was improvised. I would really never take a chance on it. I spent time making sure that the wording was really impactful within the stuff I was creating ahead of time. So I did that for a long time. Then it was actually that Keith Carlock episode where I began this new thing of I'm not bringing my notes in. That was the very first interview I did in person with literally a drum hero of mine. Uh, I was scared shitless. Uh, but I went in there with no laptop, no notes, and I memorized stuff. And that's what I do now. So what I do, I do a lot of research. I try to look, here's some tips, look for old stuff. And when I'm talking, and I'm not talking about like thoughts in the present, but look at old stuff about the historical elements of that guest. Look into our interview articles that are eight years old, done with some, you know, enthusiast journalist, you know, who maybe that never went out to a lot of people. And maybe that artist has totally forgotten about that interview they did eight years ago. And then you find something. Maybe it's their, their aunt's name who introduced them to this gig and then you learn about this big game-changing game moment that happened with this artist when they were 12 years old. You know, learn those names, memorize them, and look at that stuff because when you drop that on them, they're like, oh, I forgot about that. That, like, how did you find that? It's like, because I dig. And you got to know how to dig. You got to look at old stuff. Don't just look at the big publishing uh, media companies like Modern Drummer or stuff maybe Drumio's done or 180 Drums or whatever. It's like the high volume traffic stuff that's within three or two years or even this year or something like that. That stuff isn't going to shock and awe them as much as the micro, like the little guy, little journalist dude who's like an enthusiast, like doing this interview and it's like super pumped about it and it's eight years old. Like, look at that stuff because the chances are they forgot about that. But that's awesome. I love yeah, that. Yeah, just little things like that, right? So I look for. I, you know, it's interesting. The research tells me the story. So 
as you look into their career and you're seeing their path, their journey, and you get it from a wide range of interviews and articles, you start to see this overarching story about this person. And you start to understand their values. And when you're watching interviews, study their body language, see when they are engaged in that conversation and they like the question they've been asked and see when they're kind of withdrawing and they're kind of not into it anymore. Then, you know, stay away from that stuff. They don't really like talking about that. So I literally use everyone else's work to filter out the stuff that I know they're not going to want to talk about or you know, basically what's interesting to them and what they value. And you have to get a lot of, uh, you got to do a lot of looking um, and a lot of research to, to kind of get the general sense and the picture of what that artist is really about. I do tons of research. Then I write lots of short, easy to remember notes, whether it be names, dates, uh, events, uh, you know, any kind of story that you know they can develop for you more, but you just kind of give them, you never want to tell them their story. I've made this mistake before. Sometimes if you know a lot, you can end up almost telling them their story. And that's kind of not what you want to do. <laughs> I've made that mistake uh, before where it's like, I'm almost trying to prove to them that I know what I'm doing, you know, or that I, done the research and I've made that mistake. It's sort of not the way to go. What you want to do is, is really know where you're taking it and have an architecture that you've developed where you're literally just like when you were in school and they're teaching you how to write a story. It's like you get the little groundwork. You kind of, you know, you start things off by introducing characters, uh, introducing older, mo like their historical moments and things like that. And then you want to eventually reach a climax and then a denouement and then sort of exit out of the interview. So I literally think of it as like a story arc and I'm trying to create and uh, lead them down a path, like as if they were blindfolded and I'm walking them around in their old neighborhood. And then I whip the blindfold off and I'm like, look where we are. Let's talk about it. And so I'm trying to sort of guide them like that, but not, impose myself too much or impose the knowledge I have about them too much unless it's sort of trivial. Like with Yos Nickel, it's like I knew that every time he unloaded his mom's dishwasher, he got 50 cents or whatever. So when we're talking about his X9 snare drum, I'm like, well, how many times do you have to unload your mom's dishwasher to get to this drum? And he's like, laughs. And he's like, oh, are you just joking? Do you know that story? I'm like, oh, of course I know the story. So it's little things like that because when here's the problem, like when you're dealing with high level artists, they get interview requests all the time and they've done, you know, hundreds of these over the course of their career and not to discount anyone, but the generally the feedback I receive from the artists I interview is that mine are among their favorites because I never asked them, why they play drums. I never asked them how they started playing drums. I never asked them these questions that a lot of people tend to ask. And so you want to not do what other people are doing to keep it, again, surprise them, over deliver on your interview. Just like with everything else you do, you want to make sure you're surprising people doing the unexpected and going above and beyond to deliver something of quality to your listeners. And they appreciate that a lot. And when you, like within that first 10 minutes, if you can drop a little thing on them where it's like, I've done some digging, 
they become yours and they drop this like, oh, here we are, another interview and that's gone. And now they're so into it because they know you've done your homework and they appreciate it because you should be doing it. Like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like it's in my opinion, it's not, um, it's really, in my opinion, it's not a unique thing to do homework. I just think it should be expected, but it's, it's funny cause it's, it's rarer than you would think. Um, so yeah, do your digging, do your homework, but don't, um, you know, try to keep some of it to yourself, you know, like use it as your guide to how you're going to structure the interview and surprise them. Um, there's an interview with Harry Myrie coming up soon where I think it was one of the most successful attempts at that idea that I've ever had where literally he was about to open his mouth and I knew exactly what he was going to say. And I said it and it you took, mean, you mean dude, is that what he was going to say? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> dude, man, um, dude, man, I, I found a thing about him that, uh, it was funny. It was that morning and I was thinking like, what am I going to talk to this guy about? Like, I need to find the nugget. Where is the golden nugget? And I wasn't finding it. And I'm like, whoa, should we talk about being a, no, I don't want to talk about being a YouTuber. That's just not good enough. And then I found something that it literally shaped the entire interview. And I knew to get him to open up about it, I had to be vulnerable too. And like, he forgot that he was being recorded, I think, but the th he was about to say was one of the heaviest things that I think I've ever recorded. Um, yeah, he had like a really serious tragedy. And, and I, you know, I, I sometimes wonder too, like so many, so many great comedians had horrible childhoods. They were upset, angry, sad, depressed, and they use comedy as a coping mechanism. And I sometimes wondered with Harry, like his stuff is so funny and he like really has created this persona of comedy within the drumming community. I wonder why. And then I found out, you know, and that's the thing. You got to be curious. If you're going to be a podcaster, you have to be curious. That is like one of the biggest tips I can offer anyone. You have to be curious you need to know, like you, you got to, you have to have this feeling of needing to know something. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know, but that one is, that one's crazy. That one's nuts. And, and it even brought me to a place I wasn't expecting at all, but it opened up the door. And like I said, like, as he was about to say it, I said it. And then there you go. You know what I mean? It was wild. It was crazy. Yeah. Boy, I can't imagine you two in a room together. That's, <laughs> I can't wait to listen to that. It's not a funny interview at all. Ever? None of it? It's all not, serious? Not, well, I mean, some of it's kind of funny. Like, you know, wow. basketball, where they're like, dude, dude, dude. Like, we totally do that. <laughs> but no, man, it's it's a really heavy emotional episode. It's crazy. Awesome. Yeah, You do I a very good one. job of, of that, and pulling out stories of, from people. Yeah. I get exhausted from doing interviews and so my podcast just to let everyone know that my podcast is a completely different version than Seamus and mine as many of you if you've listened to my podcast I'm driving to my gig and I'm literally <laughs> talking in my airpod about my life yeah. and I, th I think this is important for everyone to know because 
interviewing takes a lot of time. And if you're not super passionate about doing it to the level of Seamus, then it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to dry. It's going to be crazy hard. That is not the only way to do a podcast. And I'm only going here because there's some questions about um, podcasting in a different way. So I just want to touch on that for just a second. Yeah. Um, I think that you can podcast anything that you want. You know, Gary V says, if you love the Smurfs, and if you're the one that's loudest about the Smurfs, then you're going to be the king of the Smurfs. Yeah. And everyone that loves the Smurfs are going to look to you as the authority. So whatever it is that you believe in, whatever it is that you love, that's what you, that's what you can podcast about. Mm-hmm. If you love to interview people, that's what your podcast should be. If you love to talk about working out, that's what your podcast should be. Totally. I, I love the, the mental, intellectual, and spiritual aspects of, of being a musician and being an mm-hmm. artist. So that's what I talk about. My podcast is 80% me putting on my microphone and reflecting on my day's experience, my week's experience. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, you know, for me, when I start talking, at first it starts off, well, I had a bunch of gigs this week. This is what I did, blah, blah, blah. And before I know it, I'm in this whole philosophical swarm in my head. And then when I finish the, and then my podcast ends a lot, end a lot of times like this. Wow. I didn't expect that to come out, but okay, yeah. there it is. Talk to you next week. <laughs> you just don't know until you start and try. It's, it's really, again, important to not try to plan out this whole thing. People, mm-hmm. people use words like batching, and that's, that's a great word if you're experienced, and it's a scary word if you've never done it. Mm-hmm. Batching is when you do a lot of something at the same time. So like when Seamus was at, at NAM, you did, what, a dozen interviews? I did, I did eight there, eight. And, then, okay. and then a month later at the Dromeo Festival, I did 10. Okay, that's insane. But he has now batched 18 episodes. So, first of all, no one is ever going to be like Seamus. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> he, puts, he puts out one of the highest quality interview things every single week. It is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I can barely remember that I have a podcast. My podcast comes out every Tuesday. And that's an important thing we should talk about the consistency of when you, Oh yeah. Anything that you release. Good points. So my podcast comes out every Tuesday morning and all the time it's Monday night. And my wife, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) there's Shana, everybody. Hey Shana, how you doing? We've converted the yoga studio into our television studio. She's streaming yoga live and then, I'm doing these things, but it's Monday night and I'm like, I have a podcast due tomorrow Mm -hmm. and I will get, sometimes I will literally get out of bed. Luckily I live 500 feet behind our studio. I'll walk over here and sit down and like, okay, Hey everybody. Welcome to the drum, the drum mantra podcast to this today. I did the, you know, and eventually I get a podcast out. Yeah. Yeah. Now that is the polar 
opposite of the way Seamus does things. And I'm only saying this because there are no rules. The rule is find something that you love to do and do it and, and do it consistently and have the patience to let it blossom into something. Don't mm-hmm. think you can do two episodes and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to get some monetization out of your podcast. Mm. So there's a whole spectrum of possibilities for creating your podcast. Absolutely. Uh, uh, let's see. We have another question. How much work time do you put into each podcast? Oh man, you're not even going to know this. Are you able to farm out any of that work or when is a good time to farm versus doing it all yourself? Okay. So I've never farmed out the work, but now that I'm with Dromeo, I do have a small team of people who handle publishing and the copywriting uh, just to make sure to go over my work, make sure it's good. But I handle over 90% of the work myself and I have since day one. And I mean, I don't know, this, this really boils down to personal preference. Um, for me, Oh, this is tough because it's different for everyone. There's going to be a lot of podcasters out there who farm out their editing, who farm out production. I have always insisted on doing it all myself. I don't know. That's just me though. You know, like I have a, an editing style that I, like, I enjoy the editing. I, and my wife will look at my laptop and look at sound waves and she's like, that looks horribly boring. I'm like, yeah, I love it. Like, I really like, I like, I'm a craftsman. I I like to craft it and I like to handle that work myself. If I were to farm out anything, I don't know what it would even be. Like, because I feel like for one, uh, you know, getting the content out to people. I did take a break from the Instagram page for about three months and Dromeo ran it. And I like backed away for a while. I felt like I had to as well. But then I noticed, okay, that doesn't work because people all know that this stuff I'm making it. So it's, yes, it's Drumio Gab, but it's Seamus. So like everyone knows and expects me to be the person that talks to them. So it's like, okay, we'll get back into that. I mean, I guess if you were to farm out anything, maybe some graphic work, um, but be clear on what you expect. Um, maybe show notes. I mean, show notes really, I do them because I know the work. I like the way I structure my show notes is like a little couple of paragraphs about the artist as sort of a brief synopsis of who they are and what they represent in the industry. And then it's like in this episode, you'll hear, let's see, while I edit, I'm making those notes, right? So when I get to a part in the episode, when I'm editing, I write down, okay, like this part's about this and I type it all in so that when I'm done the edits, I, I have it all figured out what, what it's about. So I can literally copy paste that pretty much with a little bit of editing uh, to put that into my show notes. And then besides that, it's like, why would you listen to this episode? And I say, well, this is why I think you should hear it. So it's all so personal because I'm working on it. So I know it. And so it's more efficient, I feel, just to handle it all myself rather than like if someone else were to do it. And I'm like, well, no, that's not the point though. Like that, they're like from my point of view, like that's not exactly what this episode's about or that this isn't exactly what was said. And I don't know. So for me, it's like I'm, I'm a little bit, I have a little bit of difficulty letting go of uh, control when it comes to anything creative. Uh, I kind of insist on doing it all myself and I'm just more comfortable with that. So again, like some people, like I know Nick at Drummer's Resource, he farms out the, uh, the production 
to his podcast. So like the mixing and all of that stuff. And in all honesty, like I could see that being not a bad idea, but again, like I, I'm very, um, anal with my edits, uh, like you can't tell it's edited, I hope anyways, but it's spliced and diced and I take out ums and pauses, but I leave them in sometimes if there's tension in the conversation it adds tension. And like, I'm very hyper analytical within the edits. And so I'm trying to create something that keeps your interest longer. And I feel like with the amount of time I've spent with it and I'm continuing to learn how to produce that better, it's actually a chop I want to develop. It's like, I want to get better at all aspects to do with podcasting because it's eventually one day I would like to do uh, public speaking and stuff at podcasting conventions and talk about podcasting to aspiring podcasters, but I need to be in it a hundred percent so that I, I know as much as I can about it. Um, yeah. And it, I don't know, I don't mind doing it so that this is different for everybody, but I would, I would strongly recommend at least for a while, do it all yourself and learn as much as you can about all aspects of it so that you set a standard for yourself and that you understand what it is that you expect out of the work you create. I remember at one point you told me that you were spending about 10 hours of editing per episode. Yeah. So, so, uh, so a 90 minute long episode takes six to 10 hours yeah. Yeah. In the past. Yeah. My editing is different now too. Like I don't edit nearly as much as I used to because eventually, hopefully here's the thing. So like when you start skill represents this and then the edits hopefully takes it to here when it's a finished product. Right. But eventually you want the skill to be higher so that it takes less editing to get a great finished product. And so right. now I don't really touch them nearly as much as I used to. I just clean it up. Mm-hmm. Now, most of my time is honestly spent on audience relationships, uh, writing emails, uh, creating show notes, developing other stuff like this YouTube channel. So like in the beginning, like the amount of editing I did back then, even with the one that Rich and I had done. Yeah, you're probably looking at six to 10 hours of editing because I wasn't as fast. I was using Audacity, which was just like driving a truck with bricks on your hands compared to Logic, which is like a little sports car, man. It's just so much better and efficient to work within. Um, So, you know, like it took me way longer back then to get the same amount of work done as it does now. Um, so now the editing is not nearly as insane as it used to be. And I'm also more comfortable with what I'm doing. So the way I'm perceiving the recordings is different than it used to be because I hated the way I sounded. So I would edit a lot of stuff so that I could at least get it to a point where I'm not like, like the whole time because of how I perceived it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Right. It's a, I mean, it's always evolving every Mm -hmm. aspect of everything. It's just like life. I mean, it's just, you're faster at this. You're better at this. You're less judgmental. That Mm. speeds things up. Totally. You see it from a different perspective. You start to realize what's important. I mean, yeah, I totally agree that everything should be done as much as you can actually do yourself. You do. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention that, But uh, let's just talk about monetization for a second. I'm going to be very brief. Um, If you are, say, having an intern as a podcaster, 
most of us, you're telling that person you're doing this for free because I'm, it's costing me money to make this. Make no mistake, the way that metrics work within podcasting, remember earlier I was saying 200 downloads for 50% of people over 30 days or whatever. Like that's the, the average amount of people, like 50% of people are getting 200 downloads an episode over 30 days. Okay, like the way that ad reads work, it, you know, like maybe 35 bucks per thousand downloads, do the math. You're not making shit. And, and so like, if you're telling somebody here, can you edit this and spend five hours doing this work that really maybe I should be doing because I'm again, like I can't pay you. You know, I, I feel like there's so much work that goes into podcasting. If you do farm it out, I mean, you almost have to pay someone. I, I feel like morally from my own perspective, it's like I would feel bad telling someone do this to help me and to free up my time, but I can't pay you because I'm really not making any money. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. So monetization, again, it's, uh, it's tricky. I think maybe the best way to go about it, and this is super simple. Again, focus on your audience. They are the most important aspect to your podcast besides the content. Like those two things are number one. Good listen and engaged audience. Um, because you can have a small audience, which you're going to have. You're going to have a, a, a small audience that's more uh, focused on the content than you would maybe say on YouTube. So like what you got to do is invest in your audience. Make sure that they understand that you're committed to them. And maybe down the road when you have, I don't know, like five, 600 people who are diehards, maybe ask them, like, is there anything extra you would like? I mean, is there any content or a thing I can develop that you want from me? And honestly, I think that's the best way to monetize a podcast at this point is to create a really strong and loyal audience and then find ways to serve them further. But you know, we have to now at this point, there has to be a transaction. And because there just isn't enough volume and numbers to make ad reads worthwhile, because I feel like you're actually kind of ruining the listening experience for what, like coffee money, right? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hardly worth it. So that's my advice with that. But really at the, at the end of it all, like you just need to want to make a podcast and not really expect anything other than people who hopefully enjoy it and just see where it goes. I mean, I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah. The old, and, and an ultimate big picture scenario for me in my business, the podcast is one of my business cards. Mm -hmm. It's one of the ways that I can give value to my audience but with the hopes of bringing them into my world a little more yeah, into the drum mantra world. So, you know, you have your podcast, you have your YouTube channel, you have your posts that you're putting on the different social medias, all that stuff in my mind is driving people into a way to get more and more intimate with your audience. 100%. And the most intimate you can be with your audience besides being in a room with them is having their email because then you are able to communicate with them directly. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to figure out your monetization. Everything else is just like an advertisement to me. Yeah. I mean, I, the podcast is super, my podcast is very special and unique to me. 
Seamus is a special and unique to him and, and your podcast will be as well, just as your online lessons are going to be unique to you. Every single one of us is going to do things in our way. So the thing, it's not like, oh, that person's already teaching paradiddles and that person already has a podcast. So I guess I'm too late to the game. I can't do it now. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us right now could do a lesson on paradiddles and people are going to choose who to take that lesson from based on how they resonate with each of us. 100%. It's not like one of us is better than the other. It's not like one of us knows more. It's that I like Seamus's laugh, so I'm going to listen to his podcast. It makes me feel good, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. You're, you're, you're trying to show yourself as a, as a human, and you're showing yourself as a unique human. And when you, the more that you can express yourself uniquely as yourself, you become micro-niche. You become in, infinitely micro-niche because mm-hmm. you're the only version of you that there is. Yeah. So try not to reflect, try not to be whatever it is you're seeing out there. Be yourself, but work hard at it. And, and these, short, these short-term things of like, I need to do a podcast because I need to monetize because COVID-19 is going to keep me from playing my gigs. That ain't happening. No, that ain't happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Even even Nick, Drummer's Resource Podcast is the oldest drum podcast. Nick's been doing it the longest, I believe. I think so, like seven years. Yeah, and he he has sponsorship, and he told me his relationships with these sponsors are almost from the very beginning of his podcast. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get Sabian to give you $500 every time you put a podcast out. Yeah. Nick has established some, some relationships with his monetization, with his podcast that are like unheard of nowadays. Like, you know, so. And it's partly to do with the timing of things because when he started his, there was probably only a handful of podcasts at that point. And it was pretty early on and podcasts weren't all that popular yet. And so it's about the timing. So I would say if you start something now, I mean, I even consider like when I started mine to be kind of earlier on ish, but like if you're to start one now, you absolutely need to focus on uh, small, small numbers and create some super fanfare or, you know, deliver them something of value and create a relationship with those people. And then say, if you are teaching drums uh, or you offer some kind of thing uh, for the community, the podcast becomes a great conduit for connectivity with those people in a more human way that I feel like people are really craving. It's so much more effective than creating a sponsored ad for Facebook or Instagram uh, by having a a YouTube, uh, sorry, um, a podcast, you do have that advantage of creating a very, very strong connection with your, with your listening audience. Yep. Yeah, man, this was awesome. We are a little bit beyond the hour point. I I don't want to keep Seamus because his whole family as all, all of us are home and, um, and, uh, Whose dog? Was that yours? No, that's, that's my dog, yeah. What timing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like she knew or something, eh? <laughs> I mean, as all of you know, this is so last minute. Uh, I called Seamus yesterday and I said, can you want to do this show tomorrow? And he's like, let me see if if Amanda can watch my son and and, uh, and then I'll let you know. And then, yeah. you know, it's very last minute. So I want to respect all of your time 
because I know all of you have a million places to go right now. <laughs> well, I really, really appreciate it, Rich. That was, that was a lot of fun, man. I, I like yeah. to talk about this sort of stuff, you know, and I don't know. I think uh, it's, 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 it's really great to, uh, if I could just leave on a parting thought real quick. Um, it's really important that you find your frequency and that you double down on that and that you don't get too distracted by everything that's happening around you because that can knock you off your path. Um, like I'll be honest, like I'm so, my head is so deep in what I'm doing. I don't even really know what's going on outside of it. I'm just focusing on the people who engage with me and I'm investing in them. I'm trying to create more content, uh, work on my craft, make it better and just keep doubling down on this thing. Cause I know it's working and I'm less concerned about what's going on outside of it. I'm really honed in on this. Um, so it's really important to just find your frequency and just work 110% within that. And uh, I think that there's a lot of rewards to be had by doing that. Yeah, man. Beautiful words to end on. Thank you so much, Seamus. <laughs> You're welcome, that, Rich. That was awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I know we're all very grateful for you. Go listen to Drumeo Gab podcast. Check him out. Follow Seamus on all the social medias. We're one big drum family and we're going to keep on growing it. I'm also doing the VIP show, which is a oh, yeah, second right. show. So I have the main show, but now I've about a month ago, I started a new show, which is where I allow the platform uh, for the audience to, to be invited onto the stage with me. So I have people submitting voice memo MP3s with thoughts of their own, or I'll tag on Instagram, tag your favorite up and coming drummer, feature clips of them, ask questions, do comment reads on the show. So it's this totally separate show. It's still Drumio Gap, but it's on Wednesdays. And that is where I invite everybody to help become a contributor to that show. Um, so that's something new that I'm doing. I started that about a month ago. So I literally just doubled the amount of work for myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's the laugh. There's the laugh. Yes. <laughs> oh man. I think about this sometimes. I'm like, cause I started based on inspiration I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so much work, <laughs> but, but man, it's paying off massively. People are loving this so and again it's all about connectivity and i know with everything that's happening right now um we need it more than ever um, i started this thing about four weeks ago thinking this is what people need i mean there's all these platforms but they're invited to listen but not be actually involved and so i wanted to create something like that and now that things are happening the way they are it's like great now like this thing is here. If people want to submit their thoughts or what they're going through right now, I invite all of you to do this uh, if you want um, and, and just contribute your thoughts. <clears throat> I saw Matt Cordier is in here. He actually was somebody who wrote a comment in a, a post that I did a read on and I've been talking to him. He's just uh, another individual that I've been connecting with. So I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Uh, I'm really happy to provide that. And so far the uh, feedback's been uh, outstanding. So I'm uh, really proud to to mention that as well. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, there so he is awesome. there. <laughs> yeah. And and Austin right here, Austin learned about me through your through our interview. That's awesome. And, and then I was at a Pete Magadini who's a Canadian a clinic. And Pete Magadini says my name in the clinic and Austin turns around and looks at me because he had just he was just listening to our interview <laughs> right before he got to that clinic. So he and I have become good friends because of you. I mean, That's you, cool. 
you're bringing people together that you don't even realize. So yeah. this, I mean, these 16 people here right now is my new little version of what you're doing with drum meal gab VIP. It's cool. trying to create a community where people can connect yep. and, and talk to, talk to each other. Well, so people are, people are going to be feeling a little bit lonely uh, if they don't have that. So I thank you for creating this platform and offering your time to people like this. Uh, it's really important, man, that people don't feel forgotten about and neglected right now when they are not sure about what's happening. At least they have something solid to stand on and uh, something that they can connect with that they, they feel is meaningful to their lives. So I think that's really important. I've, I've been really proud to see so many people doing uh, just ex like Mike Dolbear is another one who's been doing uh, interviews with different drummers, uh, live, uh, live sessions on Instagram and stuff like that. Just uh, all that kind of stuff is really good great contributions we do have the time uh and you know we just have to maybe find the energy uh but uh you know i think it's good it's 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 a, it's a good thing yeah Absolutely. turn off netflix and dive into what you really care about 100 percent. absolutely yeah. now's the chance you're free you are free <laughs> right now every single person in this room is free to do anything that you want as long as you stay inside exactly so go do it. Go now is the time. We've been all we've all been given this really ironic gift of being able to create the world that we've always dreamt of, but we're too busy to do. Yeah. So funny, yeah. Do it. Go do it now. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Thanks, Seamus. Love you, man. Love I look you too, forward buddy. to talking to you. Take care. Yeah. Thank you all. And uh, I'll let you know when the next call is. That's rad. Thanks so much, Chris. Right. This is cool. Thanks, Peace, buddy. everybody. Take care. Bye bye. All right, there you have it, the great Seamus Evely, such an inspirational guy, so real, so down to earth, and he just tells it like it is. He is a fantastic human, and if you haven't listened to Drumeo Gab podcast, please go check him out. It's an amazing podcast. He just does his homework so big time, and he's so engaging. So I am so appreciative, and I hope you got something out of this. I mean, he was dropping gold the entire time and when we were doing the zoom call everyone on the zoom call i was looking at everyone's videos everyone's frantically writing down on a pad so hopefully you took notes and i hope you start a podcast go out there and do it there is no better time than right now to start sharing your thoughts with the world and i think it makes the world a better place when everyone is willing to give their talents and their perspective and their ideas so Get out there, make a podcast, and I wish you all the best. I look forward to hearing from you soon and talking to you soon. All right, stay safe and talk to you in a week. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating, and please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.